Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Okay? 
That's like, oh my gosh, that's like an opinion word. Okay, for all that you're going to be getting. This true manna from heaven. True manna from heaven. When you said we, you know, the, your fathers may have eaten the man in the desert and they are dead. But I'm guaranteeing you today that if you eat this manna, you will surely live. Yeah. It brings you to life. Yeah. Christ's word, when it's done right, produces life. Christ's word, when it's done right, produces life. So get your book out. Go ahead and grab your coffee cup. And if you're like me, okay, you want to go ahead and get your journal as well. All right? So we want to get your journal out. You want to do all of those things. And tonight, I want to invite you to share, share, share. We're talking about Chapter 7. We're talking about uh, time and space continuum. We're going to continue with that. Same time, same place. Okay, different locations. All right? Don't you love that? How we're in God's same world while we're here on earth. So we're going to delve into that revelation today. We're going to talk about those things. Because God wants us to engage him today. And he wants those that are going to diligently seek him. And it takes a warrior to diligently seek God because everything in your life is trying to rival your affection for him. You don't realize how, how the enemy will set up your entire day to rival your affection and your commitment to God. And remember, we talk about what every week? War plans. And this war plan every week is to keep you utterly bound up and distracted by the things that are going on in the flesh. Because the weapons of his warfare are what? Carnal. Ours are not carnal. We do not fight from the vantage point of the flesh. Because we know that God hurts the flesh. And the flesh is under judgment. So you can't fight in your flesh. You can't produce in your flesh. Because your flesh is already been downgraded. It's already under a consequence. So you're not going to get the right results, which is why God says that the wrath of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. You won't get God's power in the flesh, because God took it out of flesh when flesh turned on it in the garden. Oh, are we all right? When flesh turned on God in the garden, he took power out of it. So trying to fight with it is a losing battle. That's then trying to cast out Satan, Right? But you have to be able to do this in the spirit. But what he does is he keeps your flesh always in derision and makes you feel like you're always out of control of it. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Self, come, control. We never talk about that fruit, do we? No one wants to talk about that particular fruit. That your evidence, how you show that you are being led by God, how you show that you are a child of God, how you prove that you are an offspring of God, is your ability to be in control of yourself. Not having everything in society, everything in culture, everything in your life, everything in your home, everything in your family, even everything that's trying to tip your soul being in control of you. What I love about Paul is that Paul said that I will come under the title of nothing. He made it his business to make sure that he was always the one in control of his own vessel. And he always examined where every emotion, every thought, every suggestion, every idea, every impression came from to make sure that he was in control of it. If you don't know why you're feeling the way you're feeling, if everything in life and society can impress you and move you, you are not in control of your vessel. People talking about wanting to master their own destiny, master your flesh. Mm-hmm. All right. Master your ability to tell your flesh what to do. Because every time you say, I can't help it, I just can't help it. If you can't help it, then who's helping it? Somebody else is in control. 
our seat. Who's going to replace who you are? Who's going to replace who Christ is? What is the next agenda? What is the next game? So I have another great uh, uh, scale for our comment gospel coming up. The next step, we're going to go there. We're going to talk about a lot of things because our job is to expose the time of darkness so that you can make intelligent decisions. We talked about that last time. You can't make intelligent, intelligent decisions beyond your ability to know the difference between two opposing things. That's why he wants the fusion. That's why he wants the sameness because he doesn't want you to be able to know the difference. Because if you don't know the difference, then you'll accept anything. Because it's all the same. Well, it's all the same. So you'll accept any God. You'll accept any ritual. You'll accept any practice. You'll accept any devil because we're not identifying it. We're taking labels off hands. We're declassifying everything. Don't label me. Don't judge me. Don't call me this. Don't say I'm that. Can't call somebody a man. Can't call somebody a woman. Why do we want all this confusion? Who is benefiting from all this confusion and benefiting from everything being blended as sex? Because they want you to be open to everything. So they want to get you to stop questioning. Stop seeking. Stop asking. Because they want you open to everything. You strip the guidelines. You strip the parameters. You strip all of the uh, categories. You strip all of the explanations and definitions of the word I'm looking for. You strip all of that away. When you want people to be open to anything. And he wants to bring, remember, the whole goal is that he wants to bring the pantheon beyond that. How do you take monotheistic Christians, monotheistic Christians, and make them polytheistic? You take the labels off of every other God and call it an idea, call it a faith, call it a thought, call it a philosophy, so that you end up becoming polytheistic without ever describing it. I don't mind that you want to have a private affection for Jesus Christ, but understand that everything else that you express, everything else that you believe, right down to the clothes that you wear, is about giving the other God the play. See? I don't mind who you want to say you're with in public, but what I'm looking for, oh, come on, is for to get the right to your affections and the right to your expressions and the right to your manifestations in every other way. So culture's job is to produce polytheism, and we can never forget that. Yes, polytheistic Christianity is what it's going after. We don't realize that we're being converted. We think that, you know, everybody's sitting around now waiting for you to tell them something about Jesus Christ. They're not waiting for you to tell them. Their hearts and their passions and their faiths are already occupied. They're already serving something. They're already connected to something. They already have a belief system. Don't you guys recognize now at work when you go to sit down and talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, they're about to run down their whole belief system and tell you about the God they serve and why you're talking, you know it to be true. Tell you about the God they serve and why they want to serve it. Well, if they can just know the love of God, then they will change. Uh-uh. They got the love of Buddha. They got the love of Allah. They got the love of a lot of things. Love is already at work in their hearts for their own passion, their own desires, and their own affections. Love is already at work in those ways. So love is not their issue. It's who they're loving. See? And we jump right to the emotions and not the object, not the target. So we're encouraging everybody to feel love, but we're bypassing the reality that they already are in love with something else. That's because they're not waiting on God to love them. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me in the place. They're not waiting to just find out something. 
your life. Because that is who you're giving authority to. So we made it about making people feel a certain way, but not tying that feeling to an objective. Our idea of love and God has no real objective. Not by Christianity, but I guarantee you it has one by God. Okay. So, we're going to take the objective, erase it, take the name and face off of it, and just keep you in love with the feelings. Why? Because then we can make, we can steer your feelings to any object we want, any object in the pantheon, any object in the culture, any object, oh, come on, of any deity. We can steer your love now towards anything. Because we're now making love objectless. It has no objective. It has no target. We're just supposed to feel love. And now we can't explain what that looks like. Oh, come on. We can't even tell you what you should expect from that when they tell you we just want you to feel the love of God. What is the outcome? What is the fruit of that? What is the product of it? We've not classified it. We've not identified it. And the enemy doesn't want you to, so he can put any God in that. So he recognize something today. God is an office. It's not a name. It is a position in creation that is held by spiritual beings who are over an aspect of creation, who have a people and a body. It's not in a world in the place you It's not his name. Which is why when you say the love of God, you've got to identify that and talk that back to an object. Because it's an office, and you need to know who the officer is in your life and regulating your love and regulating your emotions. Because right. love has an officer, and they tell you that it's the love of God that comes on in here, and God is in focus. That's why they're up there in the Bible. Why do you say, why did the first man you should have the love of God before me? Why? Because there are others there. Why? Because God is not his name. He gave a coming name to Israel. He gave them a target for their affection. And they had to choose every day they wanted. He gave them a target. He gave them an outcome. He gave them a name on purpose. Because it wasn't just about the feeling. It's about what the feeling is being directed towards. Because that is the outcome. That is what salvation That's the power of God unto salvation. The love can only produce the power of God unto salvation if your salvation is tied to the right dignity. But if we never identify what the love is about and what the love is coming from and what the love is supposed to do in your life, any deity can exploit your emotions. All right. Buddha is exploiting your emotions. Because they all about love, aren't they? Everything's about that. Oh, let's not get into names. Let's not get into titles. Let's not get into labels. Let's not get into any of those things. Why? So I can replace with your service, the motivation of your worship with any objective or object I want. I can replace that with any deity I want. Because if you are hooked on a feeling and not an outcome, you are hooked on a feeling and not even a deity or a person. You're hooked on a feeling and not even a person. Oh, you all right? Am I okay? We're hooked on a feeling and not a person. Yes, you need to share this right now. Because if you've got a lot of people, 
people, a lot of friends, that you need to realize that you're losing the darkness because they don't realize that they're chasing a feeling and it leads them away from the person, the man Christ Jesus. They're chasing their emotions. They're chasing how things make them feel. I go to this church and they make me feel welcome. I go to this church and they make me feel accepted. I go to this church because they'll forgive me. I go to this church and they won't judge me. I go to this church because I won't be free back. I go to this church and they won't be rejected. I go to this church because they won't lose my pain. I go to this church and I won't feel broken. You're chasing your emotions and not your God. And we're wondering how the enemy was able to infiltrate. And it's not until you satisfy your deficiencies that you'll wake up and realize that you're in bed with God's enemies. Oh, Jesus. See, when Eve was satisfied her curiosity, and when she woke up and realized she was in bed with God's enemies. After I satisfied my needs, then I had to wake up and realize who was in control. Once I got my needs met, that's when I found out who my God was. Because I was shaking my knees. I was shaking my deficiency. And wasn't looking for the supplier. And didn't realize it was God's enemy. It says to not be surprised because the enemy will make himself as an angel of light. Oh, you want oh you want to give the Christ something? Oh, I think I'll give you Jesus Christ something. What do you want? They studied our Bible. They studied our sermons. They studied our scripture. They studied all those things so they could be angels of light. And how dark is that light? So they can be your pseudo solution. And you know why angels of light work? Because they promise you outcomes with no accountability and no responsibility. They give you what you want without the requirement. They give you what you want without the obligation. And they, they literally, they literally remove all of your issues and obstacles that you have with your creator God. Deception and, and, and deception start with you having serious hidden issues with God's ways. It starts with serious hidden issues with God's way. Go ahead and share it. Because you're wondering why you can't get certain friends back. You can't get them back to church. You can't get them back to Christ. You can't understand why they're gone. I never would expect that so so whatever do this, that, or the other thing. Or you know they're falling into false doctrines and belief systems and celebrating other religious and rituals and practices now. Because it starts with people having hidden issues with the Lord Jesus Christ's way. They may love the idea of being loved because we're chasing our emotions while we're leading with them. We're not leading with righteousness. We're not leading with holiness. We're not leading with truth. We're not leading with power. We're not leading with that. We're leading with emotion. And because we're leading with it and we're chasing it, that's all people are looking for. So they're not looking for their God. They're not looking for what we're calling salvation and redemption, eternal life. We're not even looking for eternal life. You know that we stop preaching about eternal life? Now it's just about love, 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 love. Jesus said he came to bring you life and life, and you're not even chasing the things that he gave you. Oh, okay. Are y'all all right with that? You're not chasing what he gave you. They gave you a hook on the emotion. 
that we're going after those things today. We're not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ like that. We have people who can't understand why they're fading away because it starts with the issue of God's ways. We're not introducing people to God's character. We're introducing people to an emotional deficit. So we're not introducing people to Christ. We're introducing people to a source to, su- to supply or fill their emotional deficits. And then once their emotional deficit is met, and you introduce them to the man that did it, all of a sudden now we are, you know, I mean, that's right, I don't know, I mean, it's almost like every Sunday, like, oh, that's when I go talk about things that people are doing wrong. I mean, y'all know we're not perfect, but God, you see, we start introducing them to the character, we start introducing them to the standard, we start introducing them to what makes Jesus Christ different from every other God, and there comes the issues with him start really popping up, and the issues pop up. And the way we handle the doctrine, and the way we handle his commandments. Paul said they're not supposed to be grievous to us, but yet they are. So when you start introducing his commandments, it's when you'll find out where the heart of the believer is. He said, Don't you worship me with your lips? Your heart is far from me. Your heart is way off the beaten path of what I want, what my desire is for my creation, what my desire is for my business, what my desire is for my kingdom, the type of world I want people to live in. Why I started it to begin with. See, what makes it more dangerous is that God trying to take us back to what started it to begin with. And it wasn't our emotions. It wasn't our feelings. It wasn't our vision. It wasn't our passion. We weren't there. And it's dealing with the heart of why God did it to begin with. That is what she's bringing us into. Organic is dealing with the origin and what created the precipice, the catalyst, the trigger. Taking us back to that. Not dealing in the cesspool of confusion over the outcome and our very interpretation of the results. Y'all with me? Because yeah. it's our very interpretation of the results that bring all the confusion. But if you want to know why something is, you got to go back to where it came from. And before the garden, the continuum, scripturally organic Christianity is about taking you back to where it came from. It deals with something. I'm going to put this board around in case the miracle is working again, okay? I'm going to flip the board. Well, she's going to have to flip the board around. All right. She's going to really have to flip the board around. So Betty's going to flip it around. Because we are still dealing with simultaneity, and we're dealing with instantaneous and suddenly and all those things. We're still dealing with that. But understand that there's some words that make this possible, and one of them is prototype and archetype.
when we talk about at the foundation of the world versus before time began. See, the archetype, what is archetypical, So Jesus Christ is not going to come. 
world to change you and make you into this archetype. See, they want you to go back to the prototype. Because the prototype, okay, is where flesh rules. The prototype is where the enemy rules. So he is always trying to get to go back to the prototype. The prototypical era. When he fell. Because after the fall, the demonic prototype was born. Cain being the first of its kind. Okay, so go ahead and share, go ahead and share, go ahead and share. Take a moment and go ahead and tell somebody, y'all need to give it to the Lord of Gardens, the Lord of Gardens, give us into some places and take us to some things. But the Holy Ghost is the determining and the distinguishing factor that separates Christianity from every other faith. They all have God. But not all of them have a spirit that walks in them and that talks in them and that makes them a new creature. Why? Because they don't own spirit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't own spirit. When God says to John that uh, he is the father of spirit, that's a powerful statement. These are all uh, uh, demarcations. They're all markers that separate your faith from every other God. They distinguish it from the pantheon. They distinguish it from every other religion. Allah and Jesus are the same. Allah ain't never talking about no Holy Ghost. <laughs> Why? Because Allah is operating off of the, the protocol. Because why? He had no idea that the archipelago was going to come back into the planet and begin to reproduce after their own kind straight from heaven. By acting the first model. Why? Because Adam gave him what he did, which was flesh. We see, we thought Adam was supposed to give people eternal life. That if Adam decided to write people this forever, no, Adam was material. <laughs> God said, I need the material. I only want to make the body of something once. But he knows that he can change its nature, upgrade its uh, performance and genetics by shifting out the spirit. Because it's the spirit that gives life and the flesh promises nothing. So he, when you change out the spirit of something, you have literally changed out the operation of the machine. We know that if you uproot your OS, your operating system, out your computer, and decide to change to a whole new one, you get a whole different machine. Is that not true? So your outer hardware of the computer has not changed. Okay? It's not changed. So we can stay the same. So if I were to say about even this, uh, even this tablet, okay, if I were to say, hey, I'm going to change out the operating system from Android, from a little jelly system to something called iOS, guess what? This can set the set. All it wants to. So when I go to use it, a whole different program instead of a rules protocol and everything else is going to show up. Because... The hardware is it. The hardware is the prototype, but the software is the archetype that you can control, update, modify, change, do a thousand things to it. Y'all all right? And so, when you're dealing with Christianity and you're dealing with the organic of Christianity, you're dealing with before the garden. You're dealing with the archetypical. What became the pattern and the model and the foundation that birthed everything else, that created everything else, that became the product and outcome of everything else. So we're operating off of that. Yes? Y'all are with me. Y'all need to deny yourself. So that's why she can say in Chapter 7, when she's talking about simultaneity, she can say in Chapter 7 on page 109 that heaven imposes itself on earth. Why? Because it 
Did he give him a roadmap? Did he give him instructions? Did he map out something? 
your beginning. Because we know that humanity was not born on earth. And that's the other problem. We're going back to the Edenic prototype. Because the prototype is all about the beginning of flesh, not the origin of spirit. Mm-hmm. Think on that for just a moment. The prototype, Eden, is about the origin of flesh and not the beginning of spirit. Because where our spirit begins? In eternity. Which is why he has to form something out of the dust to give us a home here. Oh, y'all get me? Y'all tracking with me? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. So he has to form something out of the dust to give you a home here. Oh, come on. Because that's not the beginning and the origin of your faith. So when they're asking you, why Jesus Christ and Allah can't, okay, Allah can't get you nowhere here when Jesus is taking you. And not only that, Allah didn't give his people a power to ensure they make it. We can preach grace because of the Holy Spirit. Oh, y'all hear me. Oh, y'all ain't here. 
Heaven civilization is a standard for what God is trying to achieve in ours. Let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven not waiting to make a move when we get it right. Heaven compelling our motions and our movements to bring it into congruency, alignment, and simultaneity. Okay, with it. All right, so we'll talk about new seasons, and we're going to go through the uh, other portions of this chapter that deal with that spiritual and natural happening on the, on the earth at once, at the same time, deal with the concurrency, and then we're going to talk about how God uses prophecy in that process. Because the prophecy is supposed to be the trigger that reveals, okay, and unearth what is designed to manifest or gain a body in a certain time. All of the spiritual material for anything and everything God will ever do in your life already exists. What is being timed out is its material substance or presence in this world. That's what's on a timing chain. Does that make sense? So we'll talk about that next time. Y'all enjoy tonight? I know we can <laughs>
with those that believe, and not just believe in their economy, not just believe in their family, not just believe in their job, but believe in the power that's in them, that believe in the Christ in you. Come on, the Christ in you, the hope of your glory. You don't have a hope of the glory of God, and to enter into that glory that he talks about in Hebrews 12, if you come on in here, if you don't buy in to the Christ in you, and what he can do in you, and what those results are supposed to produce, do not let the enemy scam you with these false doctrines, with this con man gospel, with your imperfections and weaknesses. Do not let him scam you out of what Jesus Christ can do in you. Either what Christ can do is real or it's not. And if it's false, then we all are living a farce and we can do something else with our lives. But if we're going to go the distance of believing this, of reading this, and preaching this, then let's go all the way to the result. Let's go all the way to outcome. Let's go all the way to manifestation. I'm pressing for that every day. In my dream, I get up and say that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quickens this flesh. Yes. Give me the ability to prove the truth. Oh, come on again. I'm not looking to be a lie. I'm not looking to be damned. I'm looking to prove the truth of the power of Christ in us. This is not about an institution. The institution is necessary on earth because we need a place in which God can legitimately provide his needs to you. That's why we can't get rid of the church. All of you guys are saying, now is the church. Let's think that thing through. How else is heaven going to be able to provide what he promised you? We don't have a legal right to do it in the government. There is no separation of church and state, separated, and probably separated of the church and the world. And we can't go any place in the world. Okay? We can't go name a place in the world right now. I like the fellowship and where we are, you know, and we're battling on that front. So understand that he does need an institution so that he can have a legitimate place to provide the privileges and all the benefits that he told you exist if you become a citizen of the world. Because right now, his world on earth is spiritual. It's spiritual. Okay? <laughs> Until he provides a body for it. And when his body began to grow on earth, guess what we started doing? Institutions and places in the natural world for him to supply. But understand, it's not just about the institution. It's about the power that's at work with you. The enemy is after your power. And he's after the seed. You are a descendant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's after your genes. He is that he ain't talking no other body, no other faith, no other citizen to disagree. Because they don't have the gene of eternal life. Do not forfeit that. Do not gamble with that. Do not play with that. Do not allow these deities to scam you with their nonsense. They're, they're, they're teaching a false thing with vain philosophy and all these kind of things are conundrum. Okay? Come on here. You can't do that. This is why coming in and tuning in every week is so important. Because the warfare is becoming more and more sophisticated. And it's more psychological and mental than anything, which is why you have to let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Your whole objective is to become a citizen, like the citizen of that world, of the archetypical world that started it. Because that is where you come from. That is your home. You know, you talk about Earth is not a home when you that dual citizenship will come home and act like a citizen of another place. Mm-hmm. And stop letting this world teach you. Mm-hmm. And diminish the greatness in you. You're great because God died for you to be great. Oh, come on. We're going after better. Because you are. And he wants to keep cheating you out of that. 
And I'm not proud of everything. I love Paul. He goes to everything that is Christ. Because you know, Christ is better than this world. We all know he was sending by faith. They can't produce that what he did when he was in the flesh. After he's mortal flesh. I'm going to pray over you guys tonight because it's important that, that God has his way in your life and that you become the evidence and the fruit of everything that God wants to produce in you. As Dr. Christ said, it's time to sum the world with what Jesus Christ can do in flesh. Your flesh will only be a hindrance if it becomes your God. If you make your flesh your God, then you, it will become a stumbling stone and a opposition against your divinity and against your power. But you have to decide if you're going to make it. I don't know. I just can't. Based come on here. All of that, all of that confidence, he didn't gospel. You've got to kill it. All right? I want you to go ahead and give you an opportunity as I prepare to pray for you today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give www.tallofchrist.com. www.tallofchrist.com. Give me an opportunity to sow into the Wednesday Warrior Nation, to sow into what we're doing here, to, to teaching these classes and being here. But most of all, I want you to sow into what God is doing in you. Sow to your strength. God says if you sow to your own flesh and get your flesh to me, come on here. You can end up with more corruption. Why? Because he's going to corrupt you, but because no, in the flesh, there is no end to his need. There is no end to his sufficiency. There is no end to his brokenness. It's always going to have something it's going to need to take from you. But I want you to sow to your strength. I want everybody to get a seed in your hand and say, this week I'm sowing to my strength so that of my strength I can reach the power of God. I'm sowing to my strength so that of my strength I can reach the power of God. I'm sowing to my strength so that of my strength I can reach the power of God. What you sow is what you reap. And if you get the power of God, you'll get that card. You'll get the job that you've been standing for. Some of you guys are standing for pay raises that are long overdue. You'll get that pay raise. Some of you guys are looking for uh, to get into key positions in the city. I see people running for offices. Come on, you need the power of God for those things. And your power in God can become the source of acquisition. You will be able to acquire everything that you need in the flesh. But so to your strength. And I want you to sow not just with your money. When you go to visit the site, that is appreciated. We'll do that for prayer room, but most probably all things. But I also want you to sow with your mouth this week. Sow to your strength with your mouth this week and what you say over your situation. Start preaching the gospel, the archetypical gospel of Jesus Christ and not the gospel of the fallen man. You're going to always hear me challenge you with that. I don't play on your, uh, pray on and play on, okay, your imperfections and your weaknesses. So to the gospel, so to the power of God unto your salvation. And let me tell you something, that salvation isn't just dealing with your terminal end. It saves you every day. God can save your home. He can save your job. He can save your kids. He can save your car. Salvation is saving you every day. But so with your mouth this week. And I want you to put the right words over your money. Because what you pronounce over your money is what you give it an assignment to produce. Words have power. Dr. Christ taught us that very early on. Direct that thing. So with your mouth and put your mouth on your money and give it an assignment. 
www.howlprice.com. Let's pray. Today I'm going to be praying for the call that injury to the thousand behind my girl, Yakita. Come on here. Thank you, Lord. They shall continue to pray for your breakthrough and for God to begin to shift some things in your life. This is coming into a real answer prayer. You got some serious tender prayers on the altar concerning ministry, family, a lot of things. And so God's going to begin to shift. He said, just know that it's shift season for you. For Nilda, for Paula Tom, for Terrence Frederick, you know I'm coming for you, brother. You know I'm warning for you to continue to be the mouthpiece of this generation. Come on and cast down every high thing. Get out your sword. This is the season where God says he's made your mouth like a sharp sword, and you're going to cut some things asunder. I'm praying this prayer over Hazel, uh, Nadia Nichol, over Leslie White. Great to see you back on again. Keep pressing into God. This thing is going to work out for you. Uh, in terms of some employment things, God says things are just going to work out. Don't panic. Don't give up the fear. But things are going to work out. For Darlene Yarborough, Keep fighting, girl. You are going to end up exactly what God said you would. Keep fighting. We're going to keep climbing and pressing into this thing together. That's what's great about partnering with the prophet. We don't give up. Seriously, uh, Black, we're praying this over uh, Toya Brown. We're praying this over Delisa uh, Reed, over J.P. Henderson, over Crown One Three, Man Talk, Man Talk. Money is coming. I know that that sounds like a cliche, but for you, that's your season moment right now. Money is coming to you in some strange way, but just know that God is answering some prayers. Lady Adrian, daughter of Zion 78, God, thank you for breakthrough. Breakthrough is coming to you, daughter of Zion. A lot of barricades, but God says he is busting them open. Women in recovery over Kalisha 2004, men hit men, keep fighting for this word. This word is going to change you. I can truly say, we used to say back in the day that the word is working mightily in you. And it is working mightily in you. Despite the discouragement and the attacks and the many attacks of the enemy, the word is working mightily in you. Okay, from human cognition, okay, a praying over Tony Ingram. Tony, God working some things out with your family. I don't know if you prayed just recently concerning that, but he said to you, I got this. I got this. Okay, to your prayer, I got this. All right, but you know, we want to do a thousand things, but God like, well, I got this. All right, he's going to be God in your situation. I'm praying over J.J. May, over Michelle Mingo, over my girl, Tara Guthrie. Come on, stay in the fight and stay on course, Sarah. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Stay the course. Keep with the plan. Keep with the agenda. Because all things will work together for the good in the right season. And sometimes it's just about waiting for seasons to, to shift themselves. Because we keep thinking prophecy just instantaneous when you speak it. It's instantaneous in heaven. It's heaven agrees with it. But on earth, we got to deal with opposition, competition, and it's got to be constructive. For love, uh, for love, my religion, golden harmony, uh, for Lady Hulk, and for Ron Bailey. I'm praying this prayer for you today. God, I thank you right now. This, the generation that you're raising up, this Joshua generation who is fed up with culture, who is fed up with the dead stuff, who is fed up with the lies and the deception, God, who is ready to step into the full knowledge of the truth. This, your generation that wants to eat the manna from heaven, that wants to eat the organic life of Jesus Christ, that wants the bread, that wants the body, that wants the flesh, that wants the blood, that wants the life, God. Thank you right now for moving in them. I thank you, Lord, for raising up that new creation, power, and strength. I'm asking that this week, God, that you would show up in force, that you would show up in mass and give them the ability to confront, to uh, even dismantle and hit your local and disintegrate 
warfare of the enemy. I thank you, God, for giving them tactics and strategies. I see strategies coming down from heaven to outwit and outsmart the enemy and outwit and outsmart the powers of darkness. Father God, I take this thing that's been over their head, that has been the mental warfare, Father God, the psychological warfare that has been hitting them and bumping them, God. When they wake up in the morning, some of them in their dreams, and some of them as soon as they open their eyes, the enemy gets started bumping their minds, bumping them with thoughts, bumping them with the power of projection, projecting things into their psyche. They go to bed feeling fine. They wake up in the morning, don't know why they're irritated, agitated, can't push forward, can't do fight, depressed, despondent, lethargic, and all those things that are coming against the psychological and spiritual warfare in all parts of darkness. I push every fire to dark that is coming after you now, that is trying to disturb your faith, that is trying to disturb your hope, that is trying to eat away at your strength, that is trying to eat away at your stability, your ability to go out to God, to stand and have to double stand, to stand therefore, to go out to the things that God owns, that have power in the corner and fear. I Jesus Christ, 
and we broke in the structure that the enemy is trying to come in and instantly infiltrate things. Some of you don't even know why you've been struggling. Break that depression. Break the oppression, God, today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we bring in the power and the victory uh, and the forces and agencies of victory in their life right now in Jesus' name. Let it be done, let it be so, and let it be out until next Wednesday. God bless you. Okay, I just want to get a few things. Uh, you know, I'll bring this up here. Whew. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, so we're going to put it here if you want to hear.